Well, good morning again as you greet one another in the peace and joy of the Lord. My wife, Fran, loves to make fun of me because I'll say each week, this is my favorite passage in the whole Bible. It's so wonderful. Well, this passage is truly one of my favorites, and I would argue that it really is the most important in the whole book of Acts as we're making this journey and seeing the story of the church. Here's where the story turns Not only is the gospel going to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, now it begins to go to the ends of the earth. Now's the pivot that allows the gospel to come to us in San Antonio, Texas, 2,000 years later. Now's the point where it breaks out to Gentile people, non-Jewish people like most of us are. Here's the story of Cornelius and his family and friends coming to know Jesus. Here's a story that changes everything for everyone. Hear the word of the Lord, Acts chapter 11, the gospel for everyone. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them? But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, by no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times. And all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me. And we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angels stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, by the gospel of your Son, our Savior Jesus the Lord, everything changes for all of us as we embrace Him by faith. Holy Spirit, thank you for giving us faith in Jesus. 
Father, thank you for giving us your son and his good news. Jesus, thank you for coming, for living, for dying, for rising again, for reigning on high to make the gospel real and alive to us. Holy Spirit, just as you came upon these first Gentile believers in Caesarea 2,000 years ago, would you come upon us now? Give us fresh faith, fresh life, fresh joy, fresh hope in Jesus. Jesus, change us. Change this city. Change the world today. Change everything for everybody today through your gospel. We pray in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I did a little three-day juice fast this week uh, to try to kind of kickstart my health journey for the fall, and it went pretty good, except for I have had three hamburgers since then. <laughs> um, and so as Fran likes to say, Paul, it's not doing these fasts like it's this lifestyle. Come on, buddy, let's get with something that sticks, right? You know, we, let me tell you something. I don't know how my diet's going to go. I don't know how the health journey's going to go. But I promise you here, this is a story that sticks. This is a story that when we gnaw on it, when we chew it, when we take it in, when we drink it in, like it changes everything for every one of us. I, I, I want to just sort of tell the story to you. We read the recap Luke gives and in, Luke, in, in Acts chapter 11, but all of Acts 10 is telling you the story of Cornelius. He's this man that lives in Caesarea. Caesarea is about 55 miles away from Jerusalem, all the way to the coast, there to the Mediterranean Sea. And it's a port city. It's a very Roman city. It's a city that, that all kind of trade passed through to get inland to Jerusalem and all of Judea and Galilee. And uh, this very famous city, right, uh, there's this man, Cornelius. He is a Roman soldier. He is, in fact, head of the whole Italian cohort in the city. He's a centurion, a high, high-ranking officer like some of you all here are in the Air Force or the Army. And, uh, and he has a vision at home. He's a very God-fearing person. He's processing who the God of the Jews is. He offers prayers to this God, but he doesn't really know what he's doing. He's a devout person, Luke says. He gives alms to the poor. He would hear about the fire at Cam and say, I want to help support that and support the poor in our community. And yet he's outside of things with God. And an angel comes to him and speaks to him and says, go and get a man named Peter who's down in Joppa, 30, 35 miles away, down south by the coast. And go and get him and bring him back. He has a message from God for you. So Cornelius sends a group of three men down to go fetch Peter. They would have gone this 30, 35 miles on land and probably by a little ferry that went across a bay area there. It took a day and a half for that journey to be made. And, and so they're, they're about to arrive at noon the next day when Peter's now on the rooftop there at Simon's house in Joppa. Matt preached about the wonderful miracles 
last week that Peter had done in this region, raising up Aeneas, a paralyzed man, and lifting him up in Jesus' name, and raising Dorcas from the dead in Jesus' name. And uh, he's at Simon's house, and he's praying around the noon hour. The text says he's very hungry, and food is being prepared, and he has a vision coming down from heaven, this giant sheet with all these different kinds of animals in it, birds and reptiles and bir- animals of prey. And, 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 and Peter sees some are clean, but some are not clean, according to God's ceremonial law. And, and the Spirit says to him, Peter, get up, rise up, same language, right, of people being resurrected. Rise up and kill and eat. And Peter says, no, no, Lord, no. I've never eaten anything that's not clean. I've never not followed your laws about diet. No, no. And the voice from heaven says, Peter, don't declare common what I have made clean. Three times this vision comes, and then the sheet is lifted back up into heaven as Peter is processing all these things, right? The three men arrive at the door from Caesarea, and Peter goes down and speaks with them, and and he says, what are you doing here? And he said, our master, they say, our master has sent us to look for you that you would have a message from the God of heaven for us. So Peter's nudged by the Spirit and he takes a number of people with him who are Jewish Christians of the circumcision party who believe that everybody coming in to faith, if you want to be a Christian, you first have to be a Jew and you have to follow all of these ceremonial laws and then you can maybe believe in Jesus. They all go with him. And they make that day and a half journey. And Cornelius has been getting ready. He's gathered his whole family. He's gathered friends. And there comes Peter. And Cornelius wants to bow down and worship him. And Peter says, no, no, no. Get up. I'm just a person. And Cornelius says, I heard that you had a message from God for us. And Peter begins to preach Jesus. Jesus is God's promised king to come not just for Israel, but for the whole world. Jesus who lives and dies and rises again. Jesus who offers forgiveness of sins. And as Peter is preaching that sermon, he finishes. And the same thing that happened to all the first Jewish Christians at Pentecost months earlier happens there to these Gentiles, the Holy Spirit comes down on them. All the old prophecies of Joel and other prophets come true that now the Spirit's coming on all people. The whole world as they are worshiping Jesus and the hope in this gospel. And this crowd of kind of very kind of strict Jewish Christians are watching this. And Acts 10 says they are stunned. They are amazed And they wonder, God has given the Gentiles too this faith, this repentance unto life that we share. And so Peter goes down to Jerusalem and begins to tell the whole council about all of this. This really is the moment that changes everything for everyone. The gospel's pivoting and moving. All the prophecies about Israel are coming true, that they would be a light to the whole world of darkness, that they would be the tree that all the birds of the air, all the peoples of the earth could come and find a place to perch and rest in the shade of these branches. It's all coming true. 
And I want to say to us, this is a story that sticks. This is a story that means as much or even more 2,000 years later as it does in the first century. This is a story of the gospel of Jesus changing everything for every one of us. How? Just think of this in three ways with me. The gospel of Jesus changes everything for you and me and everyone around us as Jesus is seen as the key, as essential for us. When Jesus is essential through the gospel, everything changes for all of us. Think about Cornelius. Isn't it interesting when Peter's telling the story there in Acts 11 in those verses that are written for you? Cornelius isn't even mentioned, right? He's not even mentioned by Peter. Those He's this famous, powerful, military man of, of, of substantial wealth who does many good works. His name is not even mentioned. Why? Because Peter is sort of saying here, this is a message for everyone. And it's a message where Jesus has to be everything. Absolutely essential. Who is Cornelius? He's this person that does good works, that says his prayers, that's trying to figure out how to come into Judaism even and standing sort of on the outskirts of it. He's a good man. But he desperately needs Jesus. He absolutely has to have the gospel of Jesus to have anything with God, any standing, any hope, any forgiveness. It's a gospel that says we absolutely must have Jesus. Even if we are considered good, we must have Jesus. I think about Queen Elizabeth II, who her life just seemed like she was always with us, right? Even as an American, she's always this figure over there from uh, Great Britain. And, and now she's been gone about a year. Uh, I love some of the things Elizabeth said in her Christmas messages. She said on one occasion in her Christmas message to all of the people of Great Britain, she said, I would so badly that the king who came at Christmas would come back again so I could lay my crown and my scepter before his feet and worship him. She would tell the people each Christmas uh, just how the wonder of how the King of Kings had come into the world and how that brought blessing to all kinds of people through his coming. If Queen Elizabeth was anything right, she was a good person. She gave her whole life to doing good of the peoples of the British Empire. During World War II, when she's a young girl, right, she goes out and becomes an ambulance driver. She constantly is putting herself in harm's way, going out to where the air raids are, to the areas of London where there is great devastation by the raids at night, by the planes. And she was there with those people serving them, wanting to show that she was one with them. And all her life was given over to service and goodness and justice. But she knew she needed Jesus. We all have to have Jesus or we have nothing. The great preacher of the last century, Jay Gresham Machen, 
brilliant theologian, writer, studied at Princeton College and then Princeton Seminary and becomes a professor at Princeton, really stands strong for the orthodox faith in all of the movements toward liberalism of the early 20th century and the middle of the 20th century. Um, At the very end of his life, in the 1930s, he's preaching in the cold of winter in a tiny little church in the Midwest, and he gets pneumonia, and he's on his deathbed there. He doesn't make it back to New Jersey, back to his family. He's just in this place where he went to preach, and he's on his deathbed. And he said, I am so thankful for the active obedience of Jesus Christ. I have nothing else. I have no other hope at all. Jesus has to be everything in this way for us. Don't let the messages of the world that can cut across you, that can be headwinds for you at times that are very strong, those messages of the world that say, Jesus is a way. Jesus is something that maybe works for us, but there's all kinds of ways to God, and there are so many good people in the world. Good people like Cornelius, like Elizabeth, maybe like you, have no hope without Jesus. No hope. Let's be bold to proclaim him as the way, the truth, and the life that no man or woman can come to God except through him. As Peter preached earlier, let's be bold to say there is no other name unto heaven by which you can be saved. Who are the people in your life? I want you to meditate on this. Jot it down in your bulletin. Think about it this afternoon. Talk about it around your family dinner table tonight. Talk about it as community groups maybe begin or with your roommates or your friends. Who are the people that God, like Peter, is sending you to to say, it's Jesus and Jesus alone that saves We're praying, your staff of this church are praying that we would see 50 adult conversions through our lives and ministries as a scattered church. We think we've seen four so far. We've been praying it a couple of months. I'm praying it for you. Where is the Spirit like it did for Peter, moving you, nudging you, pressing you out to go say, it's Jesus and Jesus alone that saves. He's got to be essential. That's when the gospel breaks out. Secondly, the gospel breaks out as Jesus is available to all. Available to all. It's interesting. Cornelius sort of works both ways. He's an example of this good person, this powerful person, this person of substance that is known, a person that has promoted justice. But he's also a person that you would say, really, the gospel's going to start there to a Roman high military official to this whole empire that oppresses, that has crushed the peoples of this region, that's crushed peoples all over the world, this is where it's going to start. In Caesarea, this is where it's going to break out? A city named after Caesar, after the one who wanted to be a god himself? This is where it's going to happen? In a city where if you traveled through, you had massive taxes. If you, if you think there are tolls on some of the Texas highways, you ain't seen nothing. Like just massively taxed if you brought any trade through this city. Just oppressed and crushed by empire. 
this is where it's going to happen? Yes. This is where it happens. I love that these sort of other friends are with Peter, this, this group from the circumcision party, this group that's sort of, of, of the people who think, well, well, to be a Christian, you've got to be a good Jew first. And if you work hard at really being a good Jew, then maybe you can have Jesus. <laughs> and they say, no, no, no. It's breaking out here to these Roman people, to this Roman oppressive leader and all his family and friends. It's Jesus and Jesus alone that saves, and he's available to everybody, to the whole world. I've told you the story before of my favorite video of all the ones of my grandchildren so far. It's of, of my two older granddaughters, Charlie, who's getting ready to go in the first grade next week, and Gray, her little sister, who's going into kindergarten next week. They live in Raleigh, North Carolina. When they were like four and two, my daughter, Mary Fran, was homeschooling them and, and was doing the morning beginning. They were doing the Pledge of Allegiance. And I've told you this story. Here's Charlie over here at four, starting the pledge and saying it, just showing. She decides she wants to hold Gray's hand, her little sister, over here. So she reaches out her free hand, her left hand. Gray's trying to start and get her hand over her heart, but there's her sister. So she loses her right hand, reaches out and holds it. So I got to do the pledge with my left hand. And where's my heart? So she just kind of chokes herself in this video. And they're saying the pledge, and it is just hilarious. And I've told you that story. I'm going to try to get it up on screen one time. I'm not doing it justice. But they finish, right? And they say the end of the pledge, with liberty and justice for all. And there's Mary Friend, my daughter, you know, at about 30 at this time. Just this delightful, beautiful mom, just chiming in for the sign. Girls, for all, all people all skin types, all genders, all. It just warmed my heart to have my daughter teaching a civics lesson. It's awesome at homeschool. Here's the thing though, right? America is awesome. America is one day going to fall if Jesus tarries. America's justice and goodness is imperfect. Jesus is through the gospel is always perfect, always beautiful, will always last forever. And it grows and it grows even in the middle of our brokenness to overcome the whole world. It's available to everyone. Not to just sort of fix people, patch them up, send them on their way, but to bless them and bring them all the way into God. I told the story before we leave this point to the elders and wives yesterday at our little retreat. We had a great time together praying and thinking about how we can serve you well, how we can hope in the gospel well ourselves. And, and I told them this story about when my children were little, almost those same ages, my two oldest, four and two, and we were coming back from a little vacation in Florida, back to Auburn, Alabama, driven on the interstate up I-75, up through Florida and into South Georgia. And then you go on back roads all the way into Auburn, Alabama. And we were coming back late on a Sunday afternoon from this little trip. And Fran's asleep, and Mary Fran's asleep, and Duggan's asleep in their car seats in the back. And we're coming through the little town of Plains, Georgia. And, uh, and we had this blowout, this massive blowout, not a flat a blowout where you skid. And I got scared. And I, I remember my driver's head training, steer into the skid. Steer. So I steered into the skid and it, it worked. <laughs> 
you know, and then I kind of wrestled the car over to the side and Fran wakes up, Paul, what happened? I said, we had a blowout, but we're okay. And the girls, daddy, daddy. I said, we're okay, girls. And we parked and I thank God for protecting us. And I got out to go change the tire and there were three Georgia Highway Patrol cars parked behind me that I hadn't seen from anywhere. And there were two officers out of the cars and, and they said, sir, you had a blowout. I said, yes, officer. And could we change your tire for you? Wow, I didn't know the Georgia Highway Patrol offered that service. That's fabulous. You know, please. Yeah. So I, but maybe they wanted to look for a dead body in my trunk or something. I, you know, I didn't know. But I got back there and opened the trunk and we get the spare out and it's flat. And one of the officers said, sir, you know, we've got a little command post just up this hill can, and we've got a compressor in there. Can we take your tire up there and fill it with air and bring it back? Absolutely, please. So they take the tire up, bring it back. All, they do all this in like 10 minutes and I'm standing there watching these two patrolmen change my tire and it's over and I get back in the car and I'm about to tell Fran, this is unbelievable. And she's just laughing and she just points to this sign right in front of us and says, this is the home of President Jimmy Carter. Okay, they did not want riffraff like the Hahn family with a blown out tire in front of their house, the Carter's house. They got us patched up and out of there. That's not what Jesus does with us. Yes, he loves to save us. Yes, he loves to forgive us. But he wants to bring us all the way into the Father's house as it were. Come into the Father's house. Come have tea with Rosalind. Have some boiled peanuts. Come and be with me and celebrate. The gospel changes everything. We really see God loving that way to us and through us. You may come here today and think, I'm not worthy of the love of Jesus. I've, I have known him, but I've just walked so far away. And he just wants you to come back up on the porch to come back and eat at this table today and feast with him and welcome you and put his arms around you and renew you with his love. The gospel changes everything with Jesus when, for all of us, right, when he's essential, when he's available, and lastly, when he's central. These people in the circumcision party around the edges of this story, they, they, they liked Jesus, but they wanted Jesus to be an addition rather than, you know, icing on the cake, rather than the whole cake. And what they had to learn through this whole event, right, is, no, Jesus is the whole cake. Jesus is everything. He's all we have, and, and he's everything. And, and that's not just how you come to him, right? That's how you live with him. This time of year, I, I, I saw a beautiful post from a friend, she was in our church in Knoxville, she and her husband, uh, just beautiful Christians. And, uh, and she was just talking about that, that she struggles with depression every year around this time when her kids are going back to school. She's got a ninth grader and a sixth grade girls and, um, and just how hard it is and how much anxiety builds up. And maybe some of you are there, but she was just saying, I, I need Jesus to meet me in that space. And I loved it. And wherever you are, maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe you're just wrestling with despair or discouragement. Maybe you're in a family dynamic that you just 
don't know how it's ever going to change. Maybe you're looking for a job and you're looking for a job and you're looking for a job and nothing's opening. Maybe, um, maybe you just feel lost right now. Jesus is saying, I- I'm here and I want to come right into the center of everything with you. I don't care about your deeds of righteousness. They are really, as it were, filthy rags before me. I will make you clean. I will love you and not let you go. You don't have to be something to get ready to come to me or come back to me. Just come. I'm going to bring you all the way into the house. Come. I love you and I won't let you go. Let me be at the center. What is heaven going to be? We, we love asking that question. Well, what the Bible seems to say is that new heavens and new earth, the merging together of a whole renewed cosmos with God's space that we cannot see yet, is going to be this thing that's more than we can ask or imagine. But the one thing that seems clear is that Jesus will be the center. We won't need moon or sun or stars anymore because He'll be at the center, we will be reveling in Him forever, centering the whole eternal experience on Him. Let's do the business of heaven now. Let's rejoice and be glad now. Let's center on Him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Thank you for this gospel of your son. Thank you for it changing everything for everyone, not just for Cornelius and his family and friends, but for us. Jesus, thank you for changing everything for everybody as we see you as absolutely necessary and absolutely one who's available to us and to everyone around us, everyone, and absolutely central for life now and forever. It's so easy, Jesus, for us to try to put other things at the center, school, sports, relationships, family, houses, wealth, Lord, all kinds of things. May we center on you. Even as we come to this table, would you Would you press in and be at the center of our lives so that we are changed, so that we are renewed? We pray it all in your name. Amen.